And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 115, podcast only this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, and flying solo. Uh, again, uh, some scheduling conflicts with MC. Won't be joining us this week, but should be back on the show next week. If you listened to last week's show, just a little bit more housekeeping. Uh, I'm not going to give out the, the live numbers for this week's show. Uh, because it's full podcast only. Uh, but if you listen to last week's show, you you know that we're not going to be broadcasting the show live anymore, although we will be able to take phone calls uh, when we produce the show. So the production of the show will be live, and we'll, we'll let you know on Facebook when that's happening. So you can call in uh, to the numbers that we posted on anarchistexperience.com when we do that. Uh, but without MC, uh, you know, manning the boards, so to speak, uh, no call-ins this week, just me flying solo. And as you know, whenever Rich flies solo uh, in the hot seat all by himself, uh, the show gets kind of boring for me to do because I like having a conversation with MC. That's that's part of what's fun for me. Uh, it turns into Rich Reads the News. Uh, so that's the kind of show we're going to have. So if you don't like that format, uh, bye-bye. Talk to you next week. Uh, if you do like that format, stick around because I think I have some pretty good articles uh, for us to, to read through and discuss this week. All right, that being said, let's jump right into the headlines. Headline. Town mortified as government cuts down, destroys community fruit forests over permit issue. Uh, headline, teen must get $110 business license to cut lawns for 20 bucks. Uh, headline, to lower health co- care costs, try freedom. Uh, headline, the slow criminalization of peer-to-peer transfers. Uh, headline, are we fighting terrorism or creating more terrorism? Uh, and finally, headline, uh, state lowers the bar for cops. Police no longer required to graduate from high school. All right, and let's just go right from the top. Headline, uh, town mortified as government cuts down, destroys community fruit forest over permit issue. Uh, reading into the article here, across the globe, an awakening is happening in which people are realizing the power of growing your own food. Edible landscapes are increasingly th- are increasing throughout the world. However, when government gets involved, this self-sustainability through community gardening can often be thwarted. The residents of Sunshine Coast, whose city council just unapologetically laid waste to a seven-year-old organically grown fruit tree forest spanning 11 streets, are finding this out the hard way. A single complaint about a permit sent to the city council into a fruit-hating tyrannical whirlspin eventually leading to the destruction of the entire project. As ABC reports, the Australian community has been at the center of a six-month stoush with the council after a complaint was made. The council then ordered residents to obtain public liability insurance and a free permit in order to keep the trees on the footpath. To be clear, these trees were not planted by some rogue farmer on private property without the owner's permission. The community banded together in a hugely popular project known as Urban Food Street Precinct. The precinct had grow, has grown immensely over the years as residents volunteered their sidewalk area for the trees to be grown. More than 200 people participated and benefited from the fruit forest. According to some residents, they were entirely unaware there were uh, permit and insurance requirements until the city council showed up with trucks and mulchers to chop down all the trees. Uh, Chris White, a chef and resident with the UFS precinct, said the thoughtless destruction of food was done to put, a side, put in a sidewalk and put the residents in check. It's a way now that they can put a concrete footpath in, and it's a show of force, he said. I think it's the kids that are going to be impacted greatest here because they've nurtured these trees, and now they're not here. 
Uh, through tears, White described how one of the children climbed up a tree to save its fruit before the city council chopped it down. Uh, she climbed inside the tree so that they couldn't cut it down, he said. Uh, White then noted how the city council wouldn't allow the residents to pick the fruit prior to destroying the trees, and they watched in sheer awe as government destroyed food. Uh, we didn't have enough people on the ground to save the trees, and they wouldn't allow us to get the fruit, White said. According to ABC, Councilor Ted Hungerford said the felling of the trees was disappointing, but the council was left with no option after a resident had not applied for a permit nor opted to relocate the trees to private property. Because the city claims ownership over the property in front of people's homes where a sidewalk would go, they are required to get permits to have fruit trees in that space, and most everyone did. However, because one resident didn't apply for a permit, the entire area was leveled. A resident, Gail Felgenhauer, told ABC that the council was belligerent, bullying, and discriminatory. Uh, we've had multiple meetings and presented multiple options and ideas for solving their imagined problems, she said. They have discriminated against food. We have grown food here to share with the elderly in the area, with couples and families, and we've grown this for seven years. And all of a sudden, with the council, and all of a sudden, the council tries to bully us into getting permits, and then there were difficulties with insurance. Ms. Felgenhauer said the citrus fruit from the felled trees would have been enough to provide about 12 months worth of jam for residents, according to ABC. And there were a dozen or more pawpaws, beautiful pawpaws, that lovely residents all over there who had physical disabilities. He ate the pawpaws regularly, she said. It's just such waste. Uh, Queensland One Nation leader and member of Budurum, Steve Dickinson, said the council's actions were wrong in every sense of the word, ABC reports. This is renowned throughout the whole world. People love this. The local community loves this, he said. What message is this sending to our children? The residents are furious and calling out the utter hypocrisy of the council, citing safety issues when other residents can put up shrubbery and stone walls without a permit. Pointing out more hypocrisy of the council, Dixon noted how unsafe the area is now because all of the stumps left by the cut trees. Not to mention it's all about safety. There's big stumps hanging out of the ground. So when somebody walks along there and trips over those stumps, who's wrong then? Seriously, uh, nobody has thought this through. Why is food the reason you have to get a permit when people can grow ornamentals and rock walls wherever they want and not get a permit? That's the issue, Dixon said. After destroying the food and in spite of the backlash, the council showed no signs of backing down and promises to go after anyone who dares grow food. Uh, they said if I don't go through the correct channels, that's what will happen. Trees will be cut down and I'll get a $600 fine. Uh, end of the article. Now, there's a lot uh, to deconstruct. A little, well, not a lot. There's a little bit to deconstruct in that article. Uh, and whereas, yes, I'm against, you know, the the state-sponsored destruction of food, uh, I don't fault the state entirely uh, in this article because, again, this is, this is not only the state destroying food, which, of course, is a bad thing, um, but this comes down to an issue of, of public uh, and private property. Right. And in the article, they're very clear that the, the residents of this little town uh, chose not to put the trees on private property, uh, instead choosing to put it on on the public land out front of their private property instead, uh, which adds, adds a whole nother dimension uh, uh, to, you know, the, the true response or the, the proper response to this situation. Um, and in, in my opinion, which I get to give because this is my show, uh, is that. They, they'd have a better case, in my mind, and a, a better case to put forth against the state uh, and against government corruption and, and destruction of food uh, if the trees were grown on, like, private lands, 
right? But the minute you go like, oh, man, this is community property and, you know, we all get to do what we want, uh, then you end up in situations like this where, you know, you, you use the community land and I guess the whole community is okay with it, uh, but they still don't control it, right? Like it's still, you know, like the, the, the government officials in this case were claiming that they control that aspect of the property and they can do what they want with that land and they want to fell trees and leave stumps behind, then so be it, right? Now, if it was on, if it was like, you know, two feet less into the yard and then like, you know, trees that fall in the yard, you just share with your neighbors, then by all means, you know, raise a ruckus, raise hell and tell the, tell the state, you know, to, to screw off. Um, but in this case, right, with the, the problem with public land is the one person complaining, right, has a claim over the communal ownership of that land as well, right? And not that they have the final say or that, you know, that one voice vetoes all the other, uh, but the fact remains that, you know, if, if, you know, if 10 people own a property and nine people agree what to do with it and one doesn't, right, that, that one shouldn't be forced to pay or shouldn't have to go along, um, uh, you know, with the, with the ideas of the other nine. And in this case, because it's community property, uh, that's exactly, you know, what could end up happening or what did end up happening with the, with the complaint. Um, uh, now, is it bad again that they're, you know, that they didn't let them access to the trees and didn't let them pull down the fruit and, you know, felled the trees anyway? Absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily, you know, chalk this up as a case of, you know, government destroying food, uh, just because that's what governments do, right? That's, 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 you know, that's a exterior result of the real issue here. And again, the, the real issue for me is the public versus the private property. Um, I would advocate, you know, no public property, right? Like, you know, whoever, whoever is, you know, if, if the, if the homeowner is responsible for the maintenance, um, you know, of that piece of property of the sidewalk in front of the house. And it's like, that's part of the property. Uh, then by all means put whatever you want there, put up a wall, you know, blocking, you know, access to it, uh, for all I care. I don't think that would go very far, uh, but you should have a right to do with what you want on your, on your private property. Um, and if a whole community gets together and says like, Oh no, we're just going to own this in, in communal. Right. Um, but, and everyone's like contributing their own private property to the collective, uh, by all means, let that go too. There's no reason for a state to interfere or to get involved with any of that aspect of it or any, any situation that comes forth because of that. Um, but in this case, you know, you put the trees on the public land and the, you know, the state comes through and cuts it down. Uh, I'm less than sympathetic because in my mind I go like, well, you've got your own private land. Why did you choose to use the public land instead of your private property? Right. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare go out and, and grow a garden, uh, you know, in the park next to my house. Right. If, if, if that were, you know, like assuming I live, you know, next to a park, but you get what I'm saying. Right. Like I wouldn't go and be like, oh no, I'm planting my food vegetables out in, in the public park. You know, just, just everyone can get it. You know, I'd be like, no, no, no. Cause then I don't have, you know, I, I don't have, um, the private access to it, the private ownership of it. I grow the food to my lawn. And if I feel like giving it away, you know, if I was growing like an apple tree or, or, or the, oh man, what's the name of that? Whatever tree they were growing over there. And if I was growing one of those, uh, I could easily just put it in my, pri- on my private property, uh, and then just share it with my neighbors. Right. And then, and then when the government comes along and says like, no, 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 you can't grow a tree. Then you can raise all hell and say like, no, no, yes, I can. This is my private property. I do what the hell I want with it. Uh, and there's nothing, and, and then defend it, right? And which is a whole separate issue that we've gotten to before is the ability to defend your private property or what you claim to be your private property against encroachment, 
right? Then then you have your your neighborhood up in arms, right, against the state saying, no, 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 you're not going to cut down his tree on his property, and you're not going to cut down my tree on my property uh, because this is private property, uh, and we don't do none. We don't do, you know we don't put up with any of that nonsense here. Uh, but you know, choosing choosing to put it on on public lands out front, even if the whole community likes it, uh, in my opinion, is just uh, I don't want to say asking for it, but it's kind of asking for it, right? You know, like you, you should be well, you know, you should be well aware of how the states tend to respond in situations like that, uh, and not not again, not saying that it's right what the state did. I don't want to. I I feel like I'm coming across as like taking the state side on this, uh, and I don't want to do that either. Uh, I'm saying that there's there's ways to uh, clear up the waters, like you know, ma- make the waters less muddy when dealing with issues like this. And you can you can do you know food activism uh, and get out ahead and in, in, uh, get out ahead in front of the state and be able to really like hammer home the the idea of you know this is my private property, this is my food, this is what I'm doing. You know, you're not allowed to take food out of my mouth um, in in a more appropriate ways than you know growing a garden or planting a tree on 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 what is uh what what the state claims to be their land right permit or no permit um you know complaint or no complaint um this is one of the things like you know well how would it operate in a free society in a free society you wouldn't have you you wouldn't have you know the state involved with the community properly property um but going back to like you know activism in like the world we live in uh, you got it. You, you, if you're going to be doing that type of thing, you should take necessary steps to make sure that you don't put yourself in a similar situation as these folks did. Uh, and that is, you know, like provoke the state, unless that's your goal, right? If your goal is like to provoke the state and poke the bear and nudge, right? Then you, then you grow your vegetable garden in the park, right? And then the, the, they come along and they tear it up and you go, that's food for the hungry, you know, and, and, and try to make a big scene out of that. Um, like it's community property. I'm paying my taxes, you know, to, to have this park here. I should be able to do what I want with my person. If that's what the tact, right. For the activism, I totally get it. Right. I pay my taxes for the, for the land out front of my house on that sidewalk. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of being in the community. It's part of being part of, uh, you know, the government stealing from me anyway. Um, but as long as I'm paying for that aspect of it, I damn sure going to grow a tree, uh, and, and grow some fruit on it. Then I completely understand, um, that type of activism and that type of tactic, but it doesn't seem like that was the type of thing that this particular community was doing. It didn't seem like they were doing this as activism uh, against the state or to point out the, the maliciousness uh, of state interference. It seemed like they were just, you know, uh, in my opinion, like trying to get away with, you know, not having to put this stuff on their own private property, put it out on the public lands and still reap the benefits of it. Right. Everyone, ha- you put the trees out there and you maintain the tree and then everyone gets access to it. And everyone who wants a tree, uh, you know, or for the fruit from the tree can go have access to it and all the, and all this and that. Um, and then, you know, save the expense, right. Of, of giving up part of uh, a parcel of your private lands to do it. Right. They're 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 out there and they're going like, well, we'll just do it on the state sponsored land uh, because we're paying for it anyway. But I don't want I don't want that tree on my land type of a thing. Um, so, I uh, again, more sympathy for me if it was more of a private property issue on private lands and the state was coming along and tearing it down. Um, and we might get into that one 
kind of next, maybe not, maybe not exactly the same thing. Um, but we'll, we, you know, we've covered stories like that before where at least here in the States, you know, families on their own private land decided instead of grass in the front yard, they would plant a garden so they could have some food. Um, and whereas the state didn't necessarily come and like tear it down, uh, they got fined out of existence, right? They basically like levied a fine against these families until they tore up their own fruit, food garden. Uh, and they're all fresh fruits, organically natural grown, all that other nonsense too. Um, and that's more of an issue, right? That's like, you can't tell me what to do on my private lands. And if you try to do so, then we take issue and take umbrage against that. Um, and I'm all, again, all for that. Um, but I don't think, I don't think I want to get into necessarily like government is destroying food to keep people starving, uh, type of sentiment when it's, when the real issue comes down to, you know, the private versus public lands and how that would shake out, uh, in a free society. All right, rolling right along here. Next article. A teen must get $110 business license to cut lawns for 20 bucks. Uh, mayor says he wants to fix the problem by creating other types of licenses. Silliness. Uh, reading in the article. Out in the suburbs, cutting grass in the summertime is one of those classic starter jobs. An opportunity for teenagers to get out of the house, make a little money, and gain a little independence. Everyone's got a lawn. No one wants to mow it. And hey, all these kids don't have anything else to do while they're out of school for a few months. Uh, Elena Paris of Gardendale, Alabama, uh, was engaged in a, that bit of Americana this spring, offering to cut her neighbor's lawns for 20 bucks or 20 30 or $40. She was, that is, until someone working for another lawn service threatened to report her to city officials for cutting lawns without a license, according to ABC 3340 in Birmingham. A business license from the city cost 110 bucks. Uh, one of the men that cut several yards made the remark to one of our neighbors that if he saw her cutting grass again, that he was going to call Gardendale because she didn't have a business license. Elton Campbell, Alina's grandmother, told the television station. He's coming after a kid when a kid is at least trying to do work. These kids at home on iPads and electronics and not wanting to go outside, Paris said, uh, according to ABC 3340. A $110 license might not be a major burden to most businesses, but it's probably more than someone cutting lawns for $20 a pop would be able to afford. Elena said she's working in the summer to pay for admissions and trips that she wants to take, but the government's cut would put a damper on that. And sure, the business license application is just two pages long and doesn't require too much unreasonable information, but then there's the promise on page two that upon receipt of the completed form, the municipality will provide you any additional forms and information regarding other specific requirements in order or, or, to you in order to complete the licensing process. Sounds fun. At least she's getting a good lesson in what it's like to be an adult. When ABC 3340 asked Gardendale Mail Stan Hogelman, Hogeland about the complaint lodge against Elena, he said sending someone after a child makes, making extra money over the summer is not a priority. And he said he would love to have a provision in the city's rules to make it easier for teenagers to make money doing jobs like cutting grass. Would he favor letting them do it without a license? Whoa, now let's not get crazy. Maybe a temporary license during the summer months that target teenagers, he suggested. Uh, end of the article for that one, too. Now this one. This is one that if I had the energy, uh, I could really get up in arms about. Because it's a double whammy. right? It's the state interfering with private businesses. And then it's private businesses uh, using the state uh, in order to stifle the competition, right? What an asshat. 
uh, on the on the complaining party who like saw this little girl cutting grass and going like, no, no, no way, honey. I had to pay my fee to the man. Uh, now you got to do it too, right? Calling instead of instead of advocating for you know no license fees for him, right? It's it's like the 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 big corporation effect uh, in like small town America. Right. He, he may not be like the big corporation, but he knows that he can afford the permit uh, that would otherwise, you know, put this little girl out of business. Right. So he goes like, well, she's if I got to pay the permit, then she got to pay the permit. And then they, bo- you know, and then she doesn't want to pay the permit. So she's out of business and he gets all the and he gets like uh, a small little mini monopoly on, on lawn care service uh, in that community. Right. What a douche. What a jerk. What an asshat. Um you know, to do that. And then, you know, the state, on the other hand, you know, uh, again, to their credit, saying like, they're not going to go after the little girl. Well, good, right? If they're not going to go after her, then don't bother getting the permit, uh, you know, uh, little girl. Just go ahead and just continue to cut your lawns and, and see what happens. Like, test the waters. Uh, put this other guy out of business. And I've, if I was the community, I'd be telling, you know, potential customers that as well, right? Like, I'll do it for 20, 30, 40 bucks. Oh, and oh, by the way, you know, this guy tried to put me out of business. So if, you know, during the off months when you need lawn, you know, like during spring and autumn and, and winter, if that's the case in that neighborhood, I don't know. Who knows? Alabama might not get much snow during the winter. Uh, you know, during, during that time, like, don't go to that guy because he's a jerk and he tries to put, you know, little girls out of business. And credit to her uh, for the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Credit to her, like that, you know, like I said, like where you could be on your iPad all day long or on your iPhone all day long or whatever. And, you know, but bless my heart, I would be on my computer all day long uh, if there wasn't other obligations. So not that there's anything wrong with that either. Um, but bless her heart for going out there uh, and, and actually trying to make something of herself and trying to, you know, make a little bit of money. Um, and it's something that, you know, I advocate for and I'm always impressed with and I encourage uh, when I hear about it's like good for them. Right. Uh, to to tie this into a little bit of a personal story. Um, my mom is a is a very good uh, seamstress. I don't know. But like Taylor sounds, you know, too masculine. Seamstress sounds appropriate. Like she can sew uh, like nobody's business. And she's uh, done it for uh, all my life as far as I know. Um, you know, she's made clothes for me and, and fixed my stuff. And is, as far as I can tell, really, really good at what she does. Um, and she's never done it uh, above board professionally. I said, you know, like, why don't you do this and like, you know, get paid to do it and, you know, like make a business out of it. And she always said, well, if I have to do it like for work, uh, she would lose the passion to do it. Um, so she doesn't do it, but now she's making a little bit of money on the side under the table. Congrats, mom. Um, you know, sewing for uh, one of the bigger, you know, local companies here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop names to, to keep everyone uh, safe. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the reason I bring it up for this article is because uh, one of my niece's friends, right, wanted to, to make a little bit of money for the summer. Um, and my mom was like, well, she can help me sew, right? She can, she can learn the skill. I'll, I'll put her through some training. Uh, and then when we do these projects, the, these paid projects, uh, she can help and get a cut. I was like, that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's, that's what I like to see. Like good on her, you know, for, for like stepping it up and trying to make some money and, 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 you know, finding, finding a a marketable skill right at, at a young age, like I think like early teens, right. I I think she is, uh, you know, try to find a marketable skill at an early age of which you can get paid at now, uh, and then build it to a bigger business later. Should that, should that be a path you decide to take? Should that be a path you want to move on? 
Um, and I was, and I was very impressed and, uh, you know, recently I was like, how come she's not sewing anymore? Uh, and it was basically like, well, she kind of got bored of it and, you know, didn't want to do it. And I hope, and my mom was like clever. Right? She's like, I hope she doesn't think she's getting paid for not sewing. Right. I hope she thinks that just because, you know, I taught her how to sew that, you know, I'm going to pay her for, you know, the jobs that she's not doing. Like if she wants to get paid, she's got to come and put in the work, you know, set up the fire up that sewing machine and sit down and actually like, you know, make something. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but the, that's the kind of spirit that I like out front. Um, and me and MC, uh, we had a discussion, was it last week, uh, about my son coming into town um, and, you know, figuring out if he has any like marketable skills. Now, granted, he's 11. Um, but who cares? Right. Like, you know, uh, I don't, I don't hold his age against him as far as, you know, ability to make money. Uh, and I think that if, if you know, if, if you can get that mindset early on enough, which is hopefully what I'm trying to do here, uh, that, that you can make some money doing it. Um, so I did ask him, I was like, so, you know, I, I, I initiated, right. Like I uh, had a talk with MC and, you know, we think it'd be fun if you figured out a way to make some money for yourself this summer. So what are you good at, you know, that people might be willing to pay for? Um, unfortunately, the only thing he came up with, like, singing. Um, and I was like, well, good, right? Like, I'm trying to be encouraging at the same time. Like, how are you going to sell that? Like, where are you going to perform that people are going to pay to hear you sing? Um, and it turns out nowhere uh, for now. Right. Because one of the, you know, as we got deeper into the discussion, uh, it, it turns out that he's not good just singing. Uh, he's good like singing with the song. So he'd have to have the song playing in the background and then he can like sing along with it. So not even karaoke kind of singing, um, just, you know, singing along on the radio in the car kind of singing. So I was like, well, think of something else. Right. And he was like, well, I, I like music, you know, play the guitar. I'm like, well, that's on the same kind of page. Right. You know, do you know how to play the guitar? Like, no. It's like, well. We have someone in the household that knows how to play, right? Maybe, maybe at some point this summer, uh, you reach out, you know, to grandpa and see if grandpa can teach you a little bit about playing the guitar. Uh, and then if you learn a little bit, then, you know, maybe, maybe not this summer, cause it'd be real quick to start going out there and like, you know, doing gigs and whatever. Uh, maybe some point in the future, you can get paid as a musician, uh, playing the guitar and doing that. So I'm trying, I'm trying to plant these seeds, uh, in, in, in his head, um, and, and trying to figure out. Uh, you know, just, just ways, not, not necessarily figure out for him, uh, what he should do. Um, uh, but just plant these seeds that, you know, whatever it is you want to do, you should be able to make money doing it. Uh, if that's what, you know, if that's the type of thing that you want to do, right. And it's better than not, better than not getting paid, better than not doing anything. Um, and then, you know, b before he got here, one of the things that I was like, you know, kind of thinking about encouraging, right. Is like, you know, uh, I, I'm a big gamer or it used to be. And then like, you know, re rekindled and reviving now, um, as far as, you know, playing video games, but I've never been competitive about it. Um, but I always read the stories about like, you know, competitive gaming and six figure game players and fatality and all that other fun stuff. And I was like, well, you know, maybe, you know, if, if he, you know, hopefully he likes video games as much as I do. Um, uh, and turns out he might, who knows? Um, uh, but that, that, that could be an aspect where other people might discourage, you know, video game playing because like, oh, you're just like, you know, drifting your life away, playing video games and like not doing anything. And I would be like the only one encouraging uh, that type of behavior uh, because you can win money playing competitively if you enter contests and all that other fun stuff. Um, but the disappointment, I'm going to call it a disappointment because I'm a little disappointed, uh, is he's not so much like a game player uh, as he is a game watcher. Right. He likes watching people play video games on, on 
Twitch and YouTube and all that stuff, um, but less inclined to like pick, pick up a controller and get stuff done. Um, so still, still on the hunt, uh, still looking out for something that might get him inspired, uh, might get him interested, uh, might hold his attention long enough where he could like, you know, again, not, not necessarily make a career out of it, uh, but make some money out of it. And if he can do it over the summer, great. If not this summer, then, you know, whenever, right after school, I don't care. Um, just some way to, uh, to make a little bit of money, uh, and also, you know, learn the value thereof, right? Uh, it, it's easy, you know, to be a kid and to have everyone, you know, buying you stuff and have everyone, you know, giving you money, uh, just for doing nothing just because like, Oh, you got, you're going to go out here. Like, here's some cash. Just go have fun. It's like, well, now you got to earn that man. You know, um, and I posted this on my personal Facebook page. Like you got to earn a little bit. Like we went to go play mini golf and I bought the first game. Um, but, uh, uh, upon like losing a little bit, uh, his luster for the game kind of evaporated. You know, I was like, well, you know, he's like, Oh, we'll play another game. I'm like, well, you're not really earning another game, man. You know, like you're, you know, the, the way you're playing doesn't inspire me, uh, to pay for another game for you to just like, you know, goof off at, you know, if you, if you want to play, play, if you're going to play junk, um, if that's like the best you can do, then, then so be it. Uh, but if you're not going to, if you're not going to at least sh- show that you're, uh, giving a go at it, uh, and again, not, not be competitive, right? Like, you know, it, it, it's a competition and yet it's not. Um, but there, you know, there, there are certain things that, uh, you can have fun doing and still remain somewhat like cordial about, right? And I guess the best example I can give for that is like, you know, you put the ball, it bounces cause it's mini golf, right? It bounces and then you go kick the ball, right? Like at some point you go like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play, you know, I'm not gonna pay, uh, for someone to go out and just like, you know, kick a golf ball around a, a mini golf course. Right. I mean, if, if you're, if you're just not good, but you're having fun, you know, by playing normally, right. Like putting the ball, um, I'm okay with that. Uh, but uh, fortunately for him, someone else just gave him some cash. Uh, I was like, well, you, you spend your cash, man. I'm like, you want to play another game? Uh, you know, your, your score doesn't warrant me covering it. Uh, so he bought the second game and improved his score, still beat his little ass, uh, improved his score. Um, and maybe, maybe hopefully improved his score because all of a sudden it was his money, uh, on the line. Like he paid for the game and therefore was like, you know, motivated or somehow incentivized, uh, to, to play a little better. And at least, you know, like I I told him afterwards, like, it's okay to be junk. Right. If you're having fun, if you, if you can say like, you know, this is the best score that I could do today. Like, you know, I played the get, I personally played the best game of mini golf I could that day. Right. Like, you know, I, 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 I and, and because I was, I was competing, you know, with myself, um, cause I had, had no doubts that I was going to beat him. Um, but I was competing with myself and I was having fun and, you know, you take your shots or whatever. And if you can say that, like I played the best game or I did my best or I gave my all, or I was of excellence as, as some people will put it, um, then yeah, then whatever score you get, you can be proud of and you can improve on and you can do it. But if you're just going to be there, you know, to goof off on somebody else's dime, well, but not my dime, right? Right? Like I don't, I, I personally, you know, work too damn hard for my money to spend it on, on, uh, goofing off in that aspect of it, right? I'll buy video games, you know, and a bunch of video games and I'll spend it on, you know, dumb stuff as well. Um, but it's dumb stuff that I enjoy and that I'm not going to like necessarily goof off with. 
because you know earning the, learning the value of a dollar just like uh, again going back to the article uh, you know having to earn your way to do your own to your own field trips or to class trips or whatever projects you're working on uh, really makes you think long and hard about what it is you're doing to make that money uh, and to have you know someone um, like a competitor try to put you out of business is a real quick lesson uh, in what it's like to use the state uh, as a weapon against someone else, right? To to use that aspect of it, you know, to to grasp at the gun in the room as libertarians used to like to talk about. They don't really mention that too much anymore. But the gun in the room, right? Grasping at that, right? You know, he doesn't come and tell the little girl anything, or you know, say like I'm going to outcompete you and 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 uh, uh, better my prices and do better jobs at the lawn service. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to put you out of business. Uh, you know, youngsters get a real quick lesson in that. Uh, when, when the competition comes around. So if I can, you know, if my son figures it out uh, soon enough uh, and we can have a conversation about that and agorism and what to do to, you know, to prevent that from happening and, and how to, you know, face down and stand down the state, uh, I'd be all for it. Uh, but until that happens, you know, then, then you know, we'll, we'll just keep planting seeds, planting little seeds uh, into the youth hoping that uh, at some point they'll grasp it. And by the time, you know, I'm old enough, they'll have overrun the state uh, for me and I can take solace uh, in my old age, in my in my retirement of not having to deal with the state uh, because those youngsters came up and figured it out uh, not soon enough. All right, let's skip an article and jump into the slow criminalization of peer-to-peer transfers. Uh, and I'm going to read through this article, and it's unfortunate um, that uh, that MC's not here because the last couple of weeks we've been heavy on crypto and Bitcoin and all that other you know fun stuff in in the the alt realm, um, and then MC you know uh, told me about a couple of uh, people who got busted for uh, trading Bitcoin on local Bitcoin, um, and said like you know Rich if, if I was just telling you about this if you just wanted like another ticket to jail, uh, here's how you can do it, and I was like man you know I've got enough tickets to jail that I can cash in any of them whenever I want so you know. As much fun as as trading Bitcoin on local Bitcoin sounds, and I'm not against it, right? And I still might get into it. Uh, I don't need that as a ticket. Like I thought, you know, because I thought he was like, you know, do some activists. Like, let's sting the cops. Let's try to trade on local Bitcoin and see if we can find uh, some cops to like, you know, to to sting. Like, ah, called you out and get and figure out, you know, all the undercovers and whatnot. Uh, who's, you know, who's on, uh, who's trying to sting other people on local Bitcoin and have some fun with it. But he's like, no, just, a, just another ticket to jail. I'm like, well, I'll just put that in my back pocket with all the other tickets to jail that I got. Uh, and then this article popped up. So apparently it's, it's becoming uh, a bigger issue, uh, especially with the rise of Bitcoin. Reading into the article, uh, the slow criminalization of peer-to-peer transfers. Peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchanges face new legal challenges in America, and the trend will probably spread to other money-hungry countries. There is a simple reason. Regulators use financial institutions, such as banks, to control the flow of wealth. The digital exchange companies that serve as trusted third parties are the main control points for Bitcoin. That's the point at which privacy is stripped from users and the transfer of wealth can be closely monitored. For regulations to work, therefore, users must be herded towards trusted third parties who function as an arm of the government. Because peer-to-peer exchanges sidestep digital exchanges, the former are slowly being criminalized. Salmancy should serve as a cautionary tale. On May 17th, entrepreneur Salmancy of Detroit, Michigan, pled guilty to violating Title 18, Section 1960 of the United States Code, The statute specifically refers to Section 5330 
of Title 31 in the U.S. Code of Law, which states in part, Any person who owns or controls a money-transmitting business shall register that business with the Secretary of the Treasury. Registration involves providing the feds with an impressive list of information which culminates with the vague catch-all statement, such other information as the Secretary of the Treasury may require. In short, both statutes forbid a business to act as a money service without obtaining a government license and turning over any information they demanded. The unlicensed Mansi had been trading bitcoins for years. At first, the purchase of bitcoin was apparently conducted through digital currency exchanges such as Coinbase and Bitstamp, with the sale occurring on local bitcoins. The resulting profit was then channeled through the business bank accounts of his corporation. Coinbase closed Mansi's account in 2014, partly because he had not registered with the U.S. Financial Crimes Enforcement Network as a money transmitter. Unfortunately, Mansi sold Bitcoin to undercover agents who may have been alerted to his activity by the digital exchanges, his bank, or both. His residence was raided, and the three bank accounts were seized, which collectively amounted to about $180,000. Mansi could receive a sentence of five years, as well as a $250,000 fine. A tax investigation has not been mentioned, but one seems likely to occur. Local Bitcoins is coming under attack because it is an immensely popular alternative to digital exchanges for users who wish to retain both privacy and control of their wealth. The company describes itself as a peer-to-peer exchange where users can buy and sell Bitcoins to and from each other. Uh, Traders advertise at the online site with the price and the payment method they want to offer. As in Craigslist, buyers and sellers in the same area can find each other through published ads. Mansi is not alone. On May 2nd, prominent businessman Jason Klein pled guilty before a Missouri court to a charge of conducting an unlicensed and unregistered money-transmitting business. He also sold coins through uh, local bitcoins to two undercover agents. Klein ran afoul of both the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network as well as the Missouri government to operate a money-transmission business. Uh, Both Mansi and Klein may have been selectively prosecuted due to their prominence in order to send a warning to others. The Springsfield Business Journal, May 15th, reported that many in the community were left in disbelief and confusion after Jason Klein pled guilty to a federal charge for selling Bitcoin. Klein is president of the Association of Information Technology Professionals Ozark Chapter and was elected to serve this year as the Leadership Council of the Network, the Chamber's Group for Young Professionals. He also faces up to five years in prison and or a $250,000 fine. If the two cases are meant as a warning to other traders, both men are likely to be both sentenced and fined. The news featured at the Coindesk site, May 3rd, commented on a flurry of similar prosecutions. They include, On April 27th, Richard Pettix of New York State pled guilty to making material false statements and operating unlicensed money-transmitting business. On, 20, on April 20th, Thomas Constanzo of Arizona uh, was detained by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security when officers raided his home. Agents were authorized to confiscate financial records and any illegal contraband in his home. The arrest of both Pettix and Costanzo had complicating factors. Pettix is a sex offender who illegally accessed a computer. Uh, Costanzo possessed ammunition in violation of agreement from a prior conviction. Uh, The money laundering charges were added later as a result of continuing investigation. By contrast, Mansi and Klein's conviction was about Bitcoin, pure and simple. A change in how the law treats peer-to-peer? Uh, The preceding arrest in four different states may signal a shift 
and how the law views and handles certain forms of peer-to-peer trading. In July 2016, for example, Bloomberg reported on the first state money laundering prosecution involving virtual currency. The article opened a Florida judge threw out a state money laundering charge against a man who was accused of illegally selling more than uh, than $1,500 in bitcoins to undercover detectives, concluding the virtual currency doesn't qualify as money. The state is appealing the decision. Cases may may no longer be thrown out. A May 6th headline in the Miami Herald stated, Florida criminals who use bitcoins could now face money laundering charges. Those arrested do not need to deal drugs, sell sex, or commit fraud, of course. Merely being unlicensed is a crime. As Jamie Redmond pointed out at Bitcoin.com, the bill will essentially add Bitcoin to the current definition of monetary instruments under Florida's Money Laundering Act. The bill had passed both the Florida House and Senate. It awaits the governor's signature. The crucial importance of freedom through peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer buyers do not seem to be targeted yet nor is it necessary to do so for local Bitcoins to halt in America. If no peer-to-peer sellers are willing to risk a draconian punishment, then digital exchanges come closer to a monopoly on sales. Either that or the seller will apply for licenses and the government will come closer to knowing everything financial about everyone. For Bitcoin to bring real freedom, it must eschew the trusted third-party approach because those parties almost always interact with government agencies in much the same manner as central banks do. They strip away privacy from customers and report on their financial practices. Peer-to-peer liberates users. Personal wealth is protected from the corrupt money grabs of central banking. The relative anonymity it brings us allows freedom of speech, especially on controversial and political matters. This is why election ballots are cast in secret. Peer-to-peer also supports peaceful individuals who are called criminals by the government uh, to survive the onslaught. Uh, When WikiLeaks faced a financial blockage in 2010, for example, Bitcoin became the only way most people could make a donation. Many, if not most, of the donations were anonymous, and peer-to-peer exchanges will become even more important in the future because the other most effective and private peer-to-peer transfer is being threatened. Cash. Governments will continue to assault Bitcoin and the rights of users. Digital exchanges will continue to evolve into a grotesque imitation of crony banks. Both will fail. But before they do, how many traders will face five years in prison for the crime of selling a good, in both senses of the word, to a person who wants to buy it? Uh, What is needed is an electronic payment system based on cryptographic proof instead of trust, allowing any two willing parties to transact directly with with each other without the need for a trusted third party. Uh, So says Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, Do you think the Bitcoin ecosystem will eventually get away from trusted third party exchanges? Let us know in the comments. Ah, Blah, blah, blah. Okay, end of the article on that one too. All right, there's not much to say or to add to the article except for, again, um, with the price of Bitcoin at its at and with MC, you know, uh, convinced and convincing me uh, that it's going to skyrocket in the relative near future, I'm finally, I'm finally in, uh, uh, thanks to a, a, a contribution from MC. Um, and, and it's because of, like, I've had my opportunities to get in the past, and everyone has their sob story, and I've shared mine before uh, on why I'm not, I'm not fully vested in, in the Bitcoin eco space. Um, but at this time, you know, it's, it's with articles like this, for me, uh, it's more than just, like, a money-making investment opportunity. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's the middle finger waving at the man, right? You know, I, I, I've said before that um, 
I've been cash only for a long time and that served me well. And, you know, unfortunately I'm back on credit cards, you know, thanks to, you know, the generosity of of Best Buy for going like, oh no, we'll give you free money again. Um, but, but for me, uh, it's, it's, it's another one of those things where, um, it, it might get to the point where it, it truly impacts the way I associate with other people. Like there, there's certain, you know, the, there's certain aspects of my life where I just, I don't want to deal with people, uh, any type of people in general, right? Like I, I, you know, the, the jobs that I currently hold, uh, you know, the, that I labor for money, I don't really have to deal with a lot of, of customers and clients or anything like that. Right. I, I'm, I'm the back, I'm in the back, I'm in the kitchen, in the restaurant, I'm, I'm the labor guy, you know, hauling boxes for the moving company. Uh, I don't do any of the, the consultations with clients and I don't, I don't deal with customers in the restaurant. Um, and it's because like, I just, I don't want to associate with so much people, um, who, you know, deep down have it out against me, right? Like my close knit group of people, um, I want to be like pro anarchy, anti-state, you know, uh, followers of the NAP, um, and, you know, uh, and, and certain other, uh, criteria, I guess, that I'm willing to make minor concessions for here and there, depending on, you know, how we met and, and what circumstance our relationship is currently at, um. And I think I might be adding, you know, Bitcoin to that list pretty soon, right? Like if you're not, you know, if, if I'm doing work uh, for you on the side, right, I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to want to get paid in Bitcoin. And if you do work for me on the side, I want to pay you in Bitcoin. Um, I'm not to that point yet. So don't worry about it. You know, if, if you're, you know, out there and worried about it. Um, but it may be one of those things where, you know, uh, peer-to-peer Bitcoin, again, not going through the exchanges because, you know, screw that, or even Monero, right? Thumbs up for Monero. You know, we miss UMC. Uh, you know, it might be one of those things where uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's the middle finger to the man. It's just, it's a show of solidarity uh, with your, your um, fellow crypto people. Um, in my case, it would be like, you know, crypto anarchists and crypto agorists. And just, you know, just one of those things where, man, just, we can, we can one more step to getting away, right? One more, one more step towards freedom, one more step towards, uh, eliminating the state from our life, right? One of the, um, you know, we, we do the show from Honolulu, Hawaii. And one of the big things that, you know, uh, it goes on here is every once in a while, the, the sovereignty movement like flares up and everyone's like, Oh, free Hawaii, you know, back to the, back to the uh, monarchy. Right, they want a monarchy, and every uh, the reason the reason the sovereignty uh, movement doesn't work is because the leaders of each uh, faction of the movement wants to be the new head of the monarchy uh, when the monarchy gets reinstated here. And I got, I can't be part of that. But um, my advice to them has always been, you know, not that they've ever listened to me directly, but my advice has always been, if you if you want to get away from the federal government of the United States, right, uh, stop using their money. Right. I've, I've said this for damn near a decade now, um, where, you know, if, figure something else out, right. Local currency was a, a big thing, gold and silver, but just on a local level, right. When trading, uh, amongst your other, uh, uh, sovereign citizens or sovereign individuals or people in the sovereignty movement, right. Don't use federal reserve notes. Just don't like figure something else out. Uh, trade amongst each other so that you don't have to pay their tax or, or do anything like that. And then, you know, uh, get ready to defend your land, right? Get, get ready, get ready to like, you know, this is our homestead and we're not moving and we're not paying the state tax and we're not, we don't use federal reserve notes and we don't, we don't do any of that. This is ours. 
you know, and if enough people in the sovereignty movement got behind it, uh, you'd either see like, you know, the, the state first backing down, um, or the state attempting a massacre and then calling in the national guard to, to, to quell the riots, um, which I'd be okay with. Right. you know, I, I wouldn't, I would not mind seeing it burn, um, at this point, but that's always been my thing. Right. But they, they, they're, they're held hostage because they still transact in federal reserve notes. They're held hostage, um, because, uh, the, 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 the government has a sneaky way of, of giving land back to Hawaiians, right? They go like, well, we got the Hawaiian homestead program. You just, you just sign up for it. If you're enough of Hawaiian, uh, when something becomes available, we, we just give you some land cheap and it's yours on the homestead. It's like a res, it's like an Indian reservation that they just don't see coming until it's too big and you can't do anything about it anymore. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So going back to the Bitcoin aspect of it, it's just one of those things where, you know, get away, get away from federal reserve notes, get away from dollars, uh, get away from the banking system. Um, and just, just do that, right. Just do it in Bitcoin. Uh, MC said it best. He goes like, I don't even consider uh, federal reserve notes, uh, money anymore to me. Like Monero is money. Uh, Bitcoin is money. If I, if I can do all my transactions in that, I'd be set. And I was like, okay, let's, I'm with you. I'm on board now. Let's work towards that. How do I, you know, how do I easily convert, uh, my federal reserve notes to, to, to some crypto, um, that I can spend, right. Cause that was my issue a couple episodes ago right? I need to be able to spend this stuff. It's like, it's, it's, you know, if, 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 if Monero and Bitcoin is going to be money for me, um, it has to be considered liquid, right? Like I, I don't, I don't want to have to convert it back to federal reserve notes, um, to, 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 uh, increase liquidity. Like that's, that's liquidity right there. My ability to spend Monero and spend Bitcoin. Um, but let's do that, right? Let's, let's get more people on board doing that, uh, where that's how we transact with each other. Um, you know, peer to peer, uh, anonymous as best we can, uh, over or Monero, right. Cause that's according to MC, like that's where it's at for anonymity, All right? Let's do that. Let's get that done. And let's take one more step away from the state. Let's take, let's, let's get ourselves out of the banking system. Right. And if I did go on local bitcoins and I turn into, you know, one of, one of these guys, you know, with the buku bucks, uh, you can be damn sure that, you know, the cash that I got transferred over to me for selling a Bitcoin wouldn't end up at a bank. Right. Uh, it, it, it'll just end up being spent on something else. We're transacting with someone else who'll take cash for whatever goods, um, but never in a bank, you know, never in a bank and, you know, and, and, and you know, I don't some other way, right. You know, some other way to, to, to turn that back into Bitcoin uh, for myself. Um, and I've considered that too, right? Like, well, if I'm going to need a bank account, I'll have like one, I'll set up a new bank account specifically uh, for this, you know, own and operate on this. And then, you know, if, if they, if they catch that, it'll be like one transit, like deposit only to make the transaction type of a thing where even if they seize it, I'm so cash heavy. So Bitcoin, so Monero heavy, uh, that they, they seizing a bank account, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't even put a dent in the operations, um, necessarily, right? Like that, what a great place that would be. Um, where you just, you know, you, you have it like be your own bank type of thing and then, and then not right. Just be able to tr transact in Bitcoin for goods and services. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have much else to say to that other than, you know, I'm more on board than I ever was, uh, for more reasons than I ever have been. And, you know, and, and hearing these stories about the exchanges, you know, like, uh, Coinbase and all the others, and everyone remembers uh, the debacle that Mt. Gox was, uh, makes me not want to do that either. Right. Like to, to me, that's not peer to peer. And they say like, be your own bank. Uh, if you got your coins in Coinbase, like, well, no, they're the bank. You're, you're a customer, 
right? You're still not your own bank. Um, so figure out a way to do it with your private wallets and, and, and you know, or just the, the, the blockchain itself, right? The, the Bitcoin app itself, um, where you're, where you're not going to these third parties who are going to like check out your bank information and, and uh, poo on them, right. For, for being the ones to like, let the feds know like so much, uh, that so much transactions was being, go was going through, uh, the exchange, right. Poo on them, uh, for ratting these guys out who are just trying to, you know, make the community bigger and better and, and make a little bit of money on the side, right. Uh, a to B transactions, see your way out as best you can and uh, if that means getting away from the from the uh the exchanges and getting away from federal reserve notes uh please let's make that happen people sooner the sooner rather than later always sooner rather than later uh you know the the time is now all right rolling right along uh skipping some articles again because well i'm i'm watching the clock as best i can here uh states lower the bar for cops police no longer required to graduate from high school this is funny. Like, just, just the headline itself is it's funny uh, to me and scary at the same time uh, because I didn't think they were bright enough to graduate from high school to begin with. And yet now it's just confirmed, um, you know, when you're dealing with the cops, you're dealing with people with, you know, the, the emotional level of a fifth grader or, or a five-year-old, I should say, um, and the intellect of less than high school now. Uh, and again, uh, I'm, I'm not pro-school um, by any means, uh, whatsoever. So, you know, maybe, uh, you could get like a homeschooled cop who kind of knows what he's doing, but the fact is that he still wants to become a cop and uh, whatever. Um, so I don't want, I don't want this to be like, well, you know, I don't want to get called out for, you know, saying that, well, you're still using, you know, the, the public school system as the barometer for intellect and intelligence. I'm not. Um, but I'm sure that people reading the article will. Right. So when, you, when if you're that kind of person, uh, let's have a go with this here. Uh, reading into the article in times past to become a state trooper, one had to have a college degree. However, instead of keeping these standards higher for those tasked with upholding the law in Kentucky, times have changed. The Kentucky State Police seems to be so pressed for new recruits. They're relaxing educational and experience requirements in an effort to attract more candidates to their profession. Uh, for many years, the bar was set pretty high for the state's police force, which included the equivalent of two years of college and two years of experience as a member of the armed forces or police force. But now the Kentucky State Police are taking applicants who hold a high school diploma, a GED, and three years of experience as a soldier or a cop. In some odd form of doublespeak, the state troopers are saying that lowering the standards for state troopers is not lowering the standards for state troopers. Uh, Trooper David Loudermilk, a six-year veteran of the Kentucky State Police Force, told reporters that lowering the entrance requirement doesn't represent a lowering of the standards for admittance, uh, WCPO reported. This doesn't represent a lowering of the standards. Uh, new recruits were still undergo the same rigorous 24-week training regimen, taking the same tests and being subject to the same background checks as they always have been. The difference now is that a wider variety of people can join the force. All we're doing is widening the opportunity for people who maybe didn't have a chance to go to college. We're really opening a door for them to be able to fulfill their dreams of, of coming on, Loudermilk said. Uh, coincidentally, as the Free Thought Project had pointed out in the past, the training requirements for hairdressers are oftentimes two or threefold longer and more rigorous than training for police. In Kentucky, a licensed cosmetologist uh, is required to undergo twice as much training as a state trooper. It has been the stance of the Free State Project... Uh, excuse me, the Free Thought Project, 
man, did I screw that up the first time? I may have. Uh, Free Thought Project, freethoughtproject.com, where we got the article. It has been the stance of the Free Thought Project that police require more training, a thorough education in the law, and de-escalation of conflict techniques, which go way beyond a summer police academy. Uh, Kentucky's decision to lower the bar leaves more questions than answers as to how their policy will change will benefit the public it is sworn to protect. Already, as the Free Thought Project has observed and reported, there appears to be more preponderance of state patrolmen who are abusing their badge and authority, often violating the civil liberties of people with whom they interact, lowering the educational standards for troopers seem to be destined to result in more infractions of civil liberties. Public Relations Officer David Jones said troop levels have not seen the crisis they witnessed in 2015, but added, we want as many applicants as we can get. We want to hire the best. Anybody could get through the training if they wanted to, but you got to have the want and the desire to get through it. Uh, lowering the educational requirement to applicants with GEDs and high school diplomas seems contradictory to both men's statements. Uh, not only does it seem as though Kentucky has lowered its standards, but asking for the best applicants while being content to accept those who are unable to even graduate high school is contrary to logic. Uh, in a state where the cost of living is much lower uh, than other states, Kentucky pays its first-year state troopers about 40000 per year. Uh, that should be enough to attract many troopers from out of state to Appalachian Mountain states to work without lowering educational standards. Uh, dropping the state standards to those with a basic education has many scratching their heads, wondering and asking the question, why? Lowering the bar should come as no surprise, given the fact that the federal court ruled police departments across the nation can discriminate against applicants who are too smart. This decision by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit to condone the ability of police departments to discriminate against smart people is one of the most profoundly ridiculous moves ever made. But it also tends to explain the state of police departments today. It takes a special kind of person to go work every day and harass, kidnap, and kill people for victimless crimes. The act of unquestioningly carrying out orders to ruin the lives of good people whose only crime was to do their own body as they wish, would eventually have to raise the eyebrow of a person with a high level of intelligence, or so we'd like to think. Knowing that this ability to discriminate against intelligence in police departments exists, uh, coupled with the lowering of academic bar, tends to put Police State USA in perspective. In the past decade, we've seen heavily militarized actions against nonviolent protesters. We've even seen school districts accepting MRAPs, and we watched from the sidelines as Mayberry transformed to martial law. A smart person does not deliberately tear gas journalists. A smart person does not point a rifle at an innocent person and tell them that they are going to kill him. A smart person does not severely beat a person with Down syndromes because he's seen a bulge in his pants, which is actually a colostomy bag. A smart person does not continuously shoot at unarmed men who pose zero threat and whose arms are in the air. Uh, if more people knew this information, you could rest assured that they would try and reform their police departments. No one wants their police officers to be unintelligent, right? Uh, controversial filmmaker Michael Moore helped explain what happened to Jordan as well as the ridiculous notion of discrimination based on intelligence levels on his show, The Awful Truth. Uh, the eight-minute segment, while hilarious, paints an ominous picture of adhering to such tactics. Uh, and then they share the video, which I'm not going to share here. You can go read the article uh, and check that out there. Uh, but yeah, so again, not not to say that uh, that you have to be, that only intelligent people uh, graduate from high school or that uh, if you didn't graduate or get your GED that you're unintelligent like I, I do not want to put that out there at all but since that seems to be you know the state's own criteria for intelligence it would seem that 
lowering those criteria or lowering the bar to that and below the criteria uh, for applications into into the police department uh, w- would seem like a disaster waiting to happen, right? It would be different if they said, you know, like, well, we understand, right, that a lot of intelligent people are homeschooled or self-taught or, you know, are, are learning on their own, and therefore we don't want to discriminate against them because they pose, uh, they possess a special set of skills unique to their situation that we believe would benefit our police department. No, they're saying, we need bodies. And the way we get bodies is by lowering the standards so that more people can apply and join, right? So if you were bullied in elementary school or, you know, not, not bright enough or, or whatever to, to stick it out in high school and, you know, just kind of like burned out of that, right, is, is more what the article is getting at here. Um, it's, it's less the special little snowflakes uh, that go out on their own and, and get their self-taught education and more about people who, you know, couldn't hack it in high school when they should have been able to uh, coming on board. And it's going to be like the new bullies, harassers and whatnot of the future. Um, so kind of funny, right, because of the, the, the examples in the article that they mentioned where they've discriminated against smart people in the past. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Your IQ is too high. Uh, we need autonomous robots and and, you know, drone human beings to carry out the line of police work. And they go, well, where can we get more dumbasses who just follow the rules for, you know, 40 grand a year? Well, the people who didn't graduate high school seems like a good place to start. Right. You know, you didn't graduate high school. You're not that you're, you weren't smart enough to do that. Well, here's 40 grand. And all you have to do is what we tell you to do. Right. You know, go arrest that guy, go beat up that retard, uh, whatever it happens to be. You know, we give the instructions, you follow the orders. Uh, here's your paycheck. Uh, go on and, you know, like, you know, beat your wife when you get home and do all that other stuff that that cops usually do. Um, so funny, funny how the situation is set up, but scary as to the threat that it poses uh, to the future of, like they said, civil liberties, but also, uh, you know, just the safety of the general public out there who now has to deal with these uh, renegade cops and, 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 you know, rogue retards out there uh, now with a badge and a gun. Right. It's like the security guard at the mall. Right. Who like, well, you know, wasn't bright enough to 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 do anything more productive, uh, you know, because, again, you know, you can say what you want. And I have a lot of respect uh, for private security. But the, the, the people that tend to get hired aren't necessarily the brightest in the world. Right. It's those people that are now going to be given like full authority uh, over what you can and cannot do with your life. Uh, that makes this really scary. All right. Uh, I've hit my time mark, uh, so I'm going to wrap it up. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com is the website. Uh, or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Join the discussion in the groups, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Uh, and if you like the sound of my voice, because it's so soft and so mellow, and you just like hearing me rant and rave, uh, and you'd be like, man, that dude should get paid. I, I know he works a lot, but we need to pay him just a little bit more uh, for producing this show for you. Uh, go ahead and drop us some coin. Uh, on Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week, uh, hopefully with MC and peace.